Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. You find something you like, you're, you're passionate about, and then you focus on it. I mean, you got to get out of the uh, vision that, hey, I, I need to pick up everybody and anybody. You can still pick up those people, but you've got to market strictly to your niche. And that's the key. I mean, you know, you can be an expert with three, uh, just as long as you know those three clients really well. And then you just keep adding to it and adding to it. And finally, you've got like 100 clients under your belt and you are truly an expert. Welcome to Epic Business Growth for CPAs. My name is Geraldine Carter founder of She Thinks Big Coaching. This is the place to be if you're a CPA who wants to grow your accounting practice. Weekly episodes are full of strategies and action steps that create a clear path for growth without working harder. Time to get inspired and grow your business. Hey listeners, my guest today is Jody Grundon, co-founder and CEO of Summit CPA Group. Summit CPA Group is the leading provider of virtual CFO services in North America, and Jody is passionate about changing the way people think about accounting. As the author of Digital Dollars and Cents, Jody literally wrote the book on helping digital companies create financial roadmaps to success. Summit CPA Group offers virtual CFO controller and transaction level services remotely in at scale, which is why I wanted to have Jody on to talk about everything he has learned in nearly 20 years of growing and running this business. Jody Grandin, welcome to the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So one of the things that you're really great at is having implemented advisory at your firm and then scaling it. So that's what I want to dig into with you today. So many CPAs are aware that they want to and need to head in this direction of advisory and break away from hourly-based billing. And they know this in theory, but in practice, it tends to be really difficult for many of them. What do you think are some of the pieces that CPAs are missing when it comes to moving in this direction? Yeah, that's a good, good question. When we started the firm back in 2002, it, we weren't in the advisory realm. We were more like the tax return, uh, write-up work, you know, compilations, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, we, we found that, well, I personally found it wasn't rewarding at all for me. It was kind of like regurgitating the past. They really didn't care. They really didn't even know how to read the financial statement once I got it to them. And so it wasn't any kind of a benefit for the client or the one that I could see. And so I thought, well, hey, how can we make this more of a, a, a positive experience for the client? And the same part, how can we then help our cash flow in that, in that same pocket? How can we get the double whammy here? And so uh, we're looking and say, well, hey, let's kind of talk more about the future and forecasting. And so we built some elaborate Excel models and that sort of thing. And, and we, we kind of we, we sat down with the client and we started really talking about, you know, hey, here's how you, here's how you ended the, uh, you know, the, 
you know, the, the last month, you know, and we, we talked about maybe 15 minutes about that. And we say, let's turn it over now and show you, hey, here's where you're heading to, what, what direction you're actually going towards. They're, they really liked it. They, were, they really had interest in that. And then we could play with a big model of form and say, you know, hey, well, let's, let's give raises out. When do you think your raises are going to be? And we would actually plug those in and say, okay, now let's look at your cash position because everything kind of revolved around the balance sheet. So we focused on the income statement, but then we looked at the balance sheet to see where cash was at. And so we, what we could do is we could actually teach a client that, hey, based on what you do today, here's how that's going to impact uh, going forward. So every month we had a different conversation because every month, you know, the actual data actually changed. So it was, you know, the next month came up and say, oh, we missed our mark today. Now ooh, it looks like we're going to be uh, short on cash in November. Uh, what do you want to do? You know, here we're back in March talking about November and they never in their wildest dreams thought they would ever see that far in the future. And so it was one of those things that we could really sit down and really guide them on building, you know, towards, you know, a, a solid financial model for their business. Because one of the big things we talk about is cash and we talk about cash all the time and we tell our clients that they need to have at least 10% of the annual revenue in cash in the bank at all times. In addition to that, they need to have uh, 40% of their net profit or net income in the bank to cover taxes when they come to. So there's a big, huge cash goal there for it. And most of our clients at that time didn't have that kind of uh, funds in the bank. They weren't capitalized. They were pulling everything out the back door and uh, for taxes or whatever the reasoning was. And so we, we were committing them to, hey, here's what we need to have and here's how we need to get there. And so it's kind of built that roadmap for the client. And it's kind of weird how that works. You know, you build the roadmap and they miraculously follow it. And uh, that's that's what happened. And they, you know, they, they, they get to their goal, they get to their 10%. They're like, okay, well, maybe I need a little bit more because of this, or maybe I can do this. Or, you know, the conversation just changed them because what happened was by teaching them how to forecast and teaching them that cash is hugely important in your business, it took all of these small issues that would come up day to day and kept them small. You know, you know, for instance, a client uh, for some reason doesn't pay the invoice on time. If you don't have cash in the bank and you don't have any insider, you know, that's a panic mode for a lot of people. It's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But when you, when you have that cash in the bank and you have that forecasting look, you know, that small hiccup is just a small hiccup. You don't even think about it anymore. You know, what, what once was a big issue because you had no cash is now a very small issue. And so it really helped the clients, you know, really grow their business. And then the cool flip side of that was, is that um, it allowed us to set a flat fee or a fixed fee uh, for our service. So instead of actually billing by the hour, which, you know, gosh, for those who are still billing by the hour, I feel bad for it because that that that's a conversation that I hated every month with the client. You know, we did it for two years and I'd say I'd never do it again. And we changed right away because it's like your expectation is like, hey, you, you basically put the bill together. You think, oh, the client's going to be real happy with it. They get the bill and they're upset. Or the opposite happens where you think, oh, the client's going to be upset with this bill. And they're like, oh, I didn't think it was going to be that cheap. And it's like, geez, you're beating yourself psychologically over something that really shouldn't have any part in, in this conversation because, you know, you want the clients to come to you and you want them to come to you often. And so when we started billing, doing the flat fee, in addition, you know, while we're building the service, boy, it made things a lot, a lot easier to, to deal with. The clients loved it because uh, they knew what their expectation was all the time. They could call us often as they wanted. We would help them out. Of course, we had our set meetings, you know, it, originally it was on, once a month. Now we, we meet with clients weekly uh, and, and often maybe with them maybe twice a week, depending upon the level of service they have. And so, you know, based on where they're at, it allowed us to really basically annuitize our business, you know, completely. So, We'll do about $7 million roughly in revenue. And I would say this year alone, I mean, 100% of it is annuitized. It's a weekly 
zap right out of their account. We never send an invoice out. You know, we, we have a 50 person accounting firm and one admin, you know, and that's it. Wow. And she doesn't do any invoicing, you know, it's automatic. You know, we, we try to automate as much as we can throughout the whole process. And, and that was a, that was a, a huge benefit or huge windfall that we had um, when we went to the flat fee, because I, you know, we, we were a small accounting firm. I had no money outside of what I had in the, in the accounting firm. And I, I could not afford to have people, uh, to be the bank for people, you know, it, that, that just wasn't working out. I mean, and, and there's no way. And so, and, and building the flat fee model, focusing on something that we knew we could, we could replicate every single month made it really, really nice and really a, a great uh, foundation. And, and the growth just, just happen, you know, just because of that, because clients are for clients, you know, when people are happy and you're, you're providing a unique service that they think their best friend, no matter if it's a competitor or not, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll recommend you. And when they, when a client recommends somebody, that's huge. So for you going to advisory was like obvious and it was not, there was no resistance for you just kind of jumped right in. It seems like let's go over to the flat fee part. When you're talking flat fee, it sounds like you're also talking monthly recurring revenue that your rates per month are flat. You charge weekly. Let's talk about your pricing because I think it's maybe a source of envy for some solo accountants who look at that and go, wait a minute, can I do that? Wait, that says per week, not per month. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what your prices are and how you got there. Uh, so basically an average engagement is about $60,000 a year. So that's the, what an average engagement is. We have those that are way higher, like over a hundred. And we have those that are lower around 30, uh, 30 is typically the, the starting point. And uh, we break that out. When we, when we quote it to a client, we break that out on a weekly basis. So uh, we're talking, you know, $750 a week, or, or you know, here's what your invoice is going to be $1,500 a week. And, and all of our engagements are completely perpetual, meaning that they don't sign a year contract or, or a six month contract. We have an engagement letter and a statement of work, but work. But what they what they do is they have a, the ability to cancel anytime they want. You know, just like we're an employee on their team, and that's how we want them to feel like it. And so it, it became a natural thing. They pay their employees either weekly or biweekly. Why not pay us in the same that same thing? And so we we thought, you know, hey, let's go week, let's go monthly with clients. So first of all, we thought. Clients are going to be willing to pay monthly. This is way back in 2004, and uh, you know, then, but we thought, you know what? Let's go weekly. You know, that that let's see, let's see what we do there. And we just made set the expectation. It's like you know, all new clients. Here's how we bill. Here's here's what it is. And it's weekly, and we had zero pushback. I don't think we've ever had one client ever push back on that uh, since we implemented it back in 2004, hmm. and we've been doing it ever since. So we, we're going to run. Like I said, we have about a seven million dollar accounting firm with zero AR. Yes. And we've had that from the very beginning, yeah, which is pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, it's just the mindset. It's one of those things that if, if I'm going to do this, you know, this type of service, you know, how can I actually do it so that I can, it can be re replicated every single client? And then, you know, based on the different, uh, you know, the different offerings that you may have, you know, what can that, uh, you know, how, how can the clients benefit from it? And how can the clients be willing to pay a set fee for it? And knowing that, hey, there's sometimes you're going to lose and sometimes you're going to win. I think our average gross profits around, I think it's around 70% somewhere in there uh, per engagement. So it's pretty, you know, pretty, pretty good healthy gross, gross profit, which leads to, you know, 50%, you know, overall when you take in, you know, yeah, uh, burden and stuff like that. Let's talk about 60,000 per year per client. So how big are these agencies that you're working with in terms of their gross revenue? Yeah, about a million to uh, our highest is like 30 million roughly. So the, our average clients right around three to $5 million in, in, in annualized revenue. Most of them are service-based companies. Uh, we do have 
Uh, we probably have 10 or 15 construction companies and we have some restaurants, but for the most part, uh, they're, they're service-based companies. Uh, we focus on creative agencies. We've been doing that since 2013. And uh, since then, I, I'd say we probably have 80 plus clients in the creative agency space. Okay. I want to come back to the creative agencies as a niche, mm-hmm. um, but I want to ask you about how many clients does your typical virtual CFO service? I think we have about eight CFOs. Um, and then we've got some fractional CFOs, meaning that they do CFO work and then they do other things in our company, like maybe they're director of accounting or oversee things. Uh, so they're going to typically manage a book of business of about $900,000. That's the what we consider between $900,000 and a million dollars is what one CFO can, can basically handle if they're leveraging their team. Now, the key there is they got to have some really good accountants underneath them. Typically, we have two accountants per CFO, and then underneath that, we may have a bookkeeper too, you know, underneath the accountants doing the, the, the day-to-day stuff. So it, it's just a matter of leveraging the team. So I would say, you know, 60, you know, whatever 900,000 divided by 60 is, that's that's pretty much what, the, what they'd be able to manage. 15? Yeah. You can't calculate them ahead. Go figure. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> just don't tell anybody that. <laughs> we won't. We'll scrub that part. Okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> so... Um, okay, so 15, about 15 clients per CFO. That would be at their max. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go over to niche because you're in the creative agency space. And when the co- when COVID started hitting, people were like, oh my God, everybody's going to pull out of advertising and nobody's going to advertise. Blah, blah. And, you know, the last place I want to niche right now is creative agency. Like I was hearing from my own clients who oh, were geez. feeling some resistance around or some fear around the marketing mm-hmm. industry itself, right? And there's also some generalized angst among CPAs who are heading in the direction of niching around the very concern concern of what happens in a recession, right? And so now here we are with a live experiment, mm-hmm. creative agencies, which some CPAs have hesitations about as a possible niche because of its recession proofness or not. So what are you experiencing in reality? Oh, um, we've lost two clients, I think. Out of? Out of 110. Okay. Yeah. So I would say very little. And we've, in the same process, we picked up three clients. So net one. <laughs> net one. Yeah. Net, <laughs> net one. But we do have, like I said, we do have a few outside of there. Like our, like our restaurants were hit hard. So we, we haven't lost them, but we paused their, we, we kept their service going, but we paused their fees. And you know, we did some things like that with, with some of the eight businesses that were hit really hard. And, and it's kind of funny to hear that we, we kept their service going, but we paused their fees. Yeah. And we're not going to make it up. You know, we, it, they'll kick in, you know, week eight. Once we, we gave them an eight-week pause because, you know, it's one of those things that you've, you know, you don't want to lose a client over money. That's kind of silly. And, and greed is definitely not the reason to lose a client. So it's one of those things, hey, if we can help a client out, um, then we definitely would. So with the creative agencies, I, you know, it, they're solid just like really a lot of businesses are. That I, I Like I said, I haven't really seen a big, huge decline of creative agency. So I think, I think they're very good uh, to continue uh, working through a recession with. I mean, no issues there whatsoever. If I was in the restaurant category, I'd be probably hurting unless it was like fast food or that would be bad. Um, I do like the perspective of taking the long view in. I mean, you didn't say this, but I think right away of the customer lifetime value and that missing out on two months is like, number one, you're doing the right thing. Number two, from a business standpoint, when you take the customer lifetime value into account, you're much better off foregoing two months than losing them all together. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause oh, that, that, that customer doesn't forget you. I mean, you did that without even them having to ask you. I mean, that was, we, 
presented that to them, <laughs> you know, versus, you know, going the other way, you know, Hey, I think maybe uh, we need to pause our, you know, pause the fee. Cause they're always afraid to, Hey, pause the fee means pausing the service. And they can't have that happen right now. Cause it's so detrimental. They've got to have that vision. You know, they rely on us so much for, you know, helping them get out of it, you know, planning and forecasting uh, that it'd be really tough to pause the service. And we understand that too. And so, like you said, pausing the, the fee is just one thing we can kind of help give back to the client. You know, and again, it's a short-term blip, but I think we'll have, they'll have a client forever. So let's talk about your niche a little bit more for a minute. Um, well, I will tell you that when we, when we actually went towards a niche, um, business blew up. You know, we, because initially we were a generalist. We thought, oh, heck, we can't focus on a niche because we just can't, we have to have any client that comes in. And so that's kind of how we ran the business from 2002 until about 2011. And then what happened in 2011 is we actually picked up our very first, what I'd call virtual CFO client. I mean, we called it virtual CFO for a long time, but they, at that point, technology wasn't where it's at today. And they were showing up the office. We'd maybe go out to their office. We'd do all this in front of them. And, you know, it wasn't the, it wasn't what you see now through like the video conferencing and stuff. And then uh, in 2011, we picked up our very first creative agency and they're out of Rhode Island. And we were at that time, a brick and mortar company. We, you know, right now we're distributed our teams throughout the whole U S but at that time, all eight were sitting in an office in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And, the company called and we're like, you know, hey, can you guys be our virtual CFO? And we're like, yeah, sure. Where are you guys located? At? Thinking that they're probably already down the road. They're like, well, we're in Rhode Island, Providence. I'm like, oh yeah, we could definitely do that. And, and they're like, well, how would you do that? And, I, and they're like, well, would you come out to our office? I go, well, would you want me to come out to your office? And they're like, not really. I go, well, of course we wouldn't come out to your office. We can do everything through video conferencing or, or phone. And, and, they, uh, and they're like, wow, this is perfect. And they hired us on. And so it was our first true test. And it just happened to be a creative agency. And with, uh, with marketing, that's one of, my, one of my passions. I love marketing. I uh, enjoy, you know, meeting, talking to people and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, they were, this, was like, this was like, wow, this is a perfect company. I'd love to actually work for this company, let alone uh, help them out through this. And so they just also happened to be a distributed company, meaning their entire workforce worked from home. This was back in 2011 when really no one, no one did that. And so, you know, it was kind of a two, twofold thing. And so we, as we learned the, the, how the creative agencies worked and, and understood it, it really helped us really focus on it. And we did so well with them. They started referring other clients, you know, that they're actual not clients because their clients are usually, you know, the big enterprise companies, but they were referring their competition to us because they all hung around in the same circles. And so we started doing, you know, vir- virtual CFO service for other, you know, companies in the industry. And next it was in Texas. And then there was one in New York and they're like all over the place. Place. And so we were fine tuning how to work with clients virtually. We were learning how to actually, how a distributed company actually works. And we were focused and we were actually developing a really nice niche in the creative agency space. And then it just kind of, I went to a distributed company conference in San Diego and the guy that ran the conference came up to me and he's like, you know, Hey, would you be interested in talking? I know you've got some clients in the creative agency space would be interested in presenting to them and kind of teaching them how to be profitable. I'm like, yeah, sure. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I can help you out with that. I go, where, 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 where is it? And when is it? And they're like, Oh, it's in, uh, in basically New Orleans and next week. <laughs> and, and, and so I, you know, first of all, I didn't have a lot of money at that time. And so I went to a conference, kind of stretched the budget to go to San Diego. My wife didn't come with me because we really couldn't afford it. And, um, then I'm on the way back. I'm thinking, what did I just get myself into? I got to tell my wife that I'm going to New Orleans next week. <laughs> She's going to kill me. <laughs> and so, so I went down to New Orleans and, uh, 
lost my luggage and it was horrible. I showed up and, and, uh, really showed up really with, with nothing but a t-shirt and sh- gym shorts and, sh- and shoes. And, and I'm like, Oh no, what am I going to do? And so I, Oh, and, and at the same time I pulled a muscle in my neck. And so I was like, this is great. My first opportunity to, to speak in front of uh, these agency owners. And I, I look like this. And so I went in, <laughs> I went right across the street, which just happened to be a uh, fashion mall. I went and bought some Tommy Bahama <laughs> <laughs> and then I showed up at the uh, at their conference and uh, had had everything on and you know it, it wasn't by choice it's because I, I my neck hurt so bad I didn't want to go anywhere else it was like that was the closest thing I can even think of and uh, I basically started off and like yeah I lost my luggage this is you know great and and I and I and they they all got a pretty good chuckle out of that and then I. Uh, started just breaking it out on the easel board and hey here's what one person should make in your agency and kind of just broke it all the way down and here's what that one person should should produce revenue wise and also if you've got a 30 person agency here's what you should actually have uh, on the top line revenue and oh by the way here's what your profit margin would be and then I shot out the question you know hey what what do you think ten dollars if we got ten dollars more per client how much would that you know how much would that generate and they're like you know they're all you know ten thousand whatever I'm like no it's three hundred thousand dollars just so I was showing basically how to price price everything out, and I, and I took took all that and made it in about a forty five minute presentation right on the easel board, and they loved it. And they were like, and I, the whole time I'm thinking, oh, I I just really did a horrible job here. You know, you always you always criticize yourself so much, and it's like, oh, I did a horrible job. And I go, I apologize. He goes, no, don't apologize. That was the best thing we ever heard. You know, most accounts are boring. <laughs> and I was like, you know, you know, they, we had actually understood. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And and so much so, he goes, hey, would you like to do this again for us? I'm like. Yeah, that'd be cool. And so he's like, uh, I go, when? He goes, well, next week in Chicago. I'm like, <laughs> like next week. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay, but Chicago's a three-hour drive. I think I could talk my wife into that one. Not a problem. And so I, uh, so we did it in Chicago. And uh, they just like, he liked it. He liked it so well. And we had so much, um, you know, focus on it because we weren't, we weren't there to sell ourselves. We were just there to teach them how to be profitable. And so there was no selling involved. It was selling through the thought leadership. And that was a huge, that was a huge, huge thing for me because it, it realized the importance of thought leadership and how, how that pretty much will sell itself. And the funny thing was, it was, it was probably six months of going to these conferences before I even picked up one client. And I was cool with that because it was like we were meeting all these people. Our word was getting out. And then it was, it was like, I'd never forget, it was November. And we uh, picked up 11 clients in one month. Uh, the next month we picked up six. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to kill us. <laughs> I don't have the people for this. And it just started working out well. And then I started you know, trying to figure out how to automate this whole process. But niching was the big thing by far. Niching was the big thing. Yeah. So I want to go, I just want to pull out a piece there in that it sounded like it took, it was 10 years. You were 10 years in before you niche. Like the advisory piece in the first two years, you were like, we need to go advisory because there's you know, not so much value in compliance. No traction at all. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the niching piece took many, it took a much longer time and it was almost like your niche found you in a way. Yep. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, because it's kind of funny because I thought if we have this great service, boy, I'm going to really pick up a lot of a lot of clients. I mean, I just you, you just dream that hey, that's going to happen, and and we we did have that cool service, but we only picked up maybe four clients a year. Yeah, and so it was like it wasn't a lot. But then once we became once we went niched, um, that picked up. We averaged about two and a half to three clients a month, um, and we've been doing that since 2011. So I mean, it, it's it 
really, it's really huge. Now some, some months you pick up none and some months you pick up six, Yeah, you know, so it, it, it all, it all equals out. But, uh, and we've been doing that ever since we, like I said, we've even done it through the, um, through the, the you know, the, the so-called recession at this point, yeah. you know, through the, the downturn in the economy, we even picked up an average of three clients a month here too. Um, I'm curious to know, do people kind of, when they come to you, do they start out at the transactional level? And for our listeners, Jody starts with transactional and then a controller and then virtual CFO. So they start, they tend to start at transactional and move up through the pricing structure. Or do they tend to just like zip right in, right to virtual CFO? They, they jump right in. Yeah. Um, we, we, um, I'd say it's about 40% of our clients we have through virtual CFO, 40% we call a controller level, which is very similar to the CFO, just not as many touches. And then we have the transactional, which is local accounting firm would do. In addition to that, we add, we, we don't actually have any kind of forecasting involved. So it's more like, you know, Hey, let's get your financials buttoned up. And that's just, that's all it really is. I would say out of the last probably eight years, we maybe picked up two transactional clients. Oh, wow. So they're really coming to you for controller and virtual CFO. They're coming to us for the controller. Yeah, they really, really, really want the forecasting. They, 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 they see the value in that for sure. In coaching, we're trained that you've got to give people what they want before you can give them what they need. And also in terms of value, you provide a lot of value when you give them what they, when you give them what they didn't know they need, right? And so many business owners will say to me, I want my CPA to give me the stuff that answer the questions I didn't even know I should be asking. Um, I'm curious to know beyond that, there's also on the path of discovery, the stuff that you also didn't know that they needed. And I'm curious to know if there's been um, what you found or discovered along the way that when you hit it, and you gave it to your clients, they were like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, it happens a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we feel like maybe we overserve our clients to a point. And that's, uh, uh, that in, in, you know, we really don't because our profit margins prove us up, prove it otherwise. But we, we provide the clients with a really nice dashboarding, uh, really nice, you know, all their, we, we dive into their KPIs and figure out what KPIs makes their business tick and the KPIs that they can actually manage, not just the, the financial KPIs that, you know, again, a business owner doesn't know how to control like current ratio. You know, you can tell them that and you know, they will have no clue what you're talking about, or they may have an idea, but they don't know how to control it. Uh, where we talk about, you know, Hey, here's your utilization. You know, they can control people's hours. They can control, you know, different, maybe how many widgets or the price of widget, you know, whatever that might be. They, we, we, we put the control back into them so that when they're, doing their forecast, they can control it. And so when they can kind of see all these dash dashboards that are important to them, not just dashboards out there to have dashboards, uh, but also, you know, all the different metrics we talk about, like cash and, and that sort of thing. And then we can also bring in our industry, you know, and I say our industry, not the overall industry, but the ones we actually work with. And so I can say, hey, out of the 80 clients we have in the space or whatever that is, you know, here's where they're at cash-wise. Here's where they're at profit-wise. Here's what their average, you know, uh, FTE, you know, revenue per FTE or whatever that might be. I can, we can kind of dial that in and show them, hey, you know, here's not only where you can kind of compare to the forecast or compare to our plan that we started from January 1, you know, here we're at that plan. But I can also show them, hey, here's what you compare to your peers. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's pretty valuable because it, it, it teaches them, hey, what's what are the important things to look at? You know, hey, we're looking at the forecast, but I'm going to basically look at, look, look you know, take a step back and say, well, I'm not doing too bad. Even though I missed my forecast number, I'm still doing better than my peers. Or maybe it's the other way around. You know, maybe it's one of those deals where, you know, you get the blame game. Oh, the economy is doing bad. So everybody must be doing bad because we're doing bad. And, and I can look at it and say, 
no, not really. I mean, we don't have any clients doing bad other than you. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, you know, you know, so yeah, obviously, with, with some yes. tack. Our observable data shows <laughs> anyway, that you're really sucking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, you know, it, it, again, it takes that off them and it, it takes that excuse away. It's like, well, oh, then must I got to figure out why they're doing it and I'm not, or what, you know, what, what we're doing, bringing in. So, again, it just helps it helps our CFO and basically give them the ammunition to, to go out and really, you know, help the client out. It, and that's a, that's a big, big key there. Um, very rarely do we get it going the other way, but most of the time it's like, wow, this is nice. And for, for a lot of them, you know, we're going through the sales process, you know, it, which is an hour. We go through the sales process, one hour, one call, and they get a quote right on the call. Um, and they help develop the quote themselves. We do all that within that one hour time frame, uh, and they're asking questions. We're going through it, and, and it's pretty cool. Uh, they're like, you know, the you know, I love my accountant. I've been with her for X amount of years. I go, but you know, you know the industry, and that's why I want to come to you. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, your accountant probably know know the industry too, because it's not that much different from one industry to the other. But they just feel it is, and they feel that hey, I, I'm going to pay a premium for you, and I'm I'm cool paying that premium because I know that you're going to get me to this next level. And that's really where where they want. And that's probably why we don't get any transactional people because they, you know. We, we probably are competitive, you know, for one, they're probably getting, they probably get the exact same thing they got, they're getting right now. So why would they want to make a switch unless they just, you know, like the color of my shirt or something? I have no idea. But, um, you know, that, that's the, the big thing. They know that, hey, I can help them get them to the next level. And, and we can. And that's the, uh, that's, the, that's why they come to us, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely what people want, right? Is someone who can help them get to the next level. And it's not because you're wearing a hot pink coral shirt. Exactly. <laughs> as pretty as it is. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to go to the lightning round, which I'm really excited for because I put the call out to my own clients when uh, when we set up this meeting that we were going to have a conversation and did they have any questions that they wanted to ask oh, you? Oh, great, great. Of course, they came back with some great questions. So I'm going to fire them off okay, at you. Okay, let's hear them. We're, you know, in difficult times and there are still some businesses that are doing quite well and growing. And um, what, are, what have you learned about recommending to clients how much cash to have in reserve in preparation for growth? Oh, oh always have 10% minimum. So, and we, we, tell, we tell clients that they want to, they want to have between 10 to 30%. 30%, it depends upon what risk factors you are. If, if everything is, you know, recurring revenue, like we've got it, um, you're not you know, highly concentrated into a client, you, you know, a partner's not going to retire sooner, or whatever all the risk factors are, uh, it's going to push you closer to the 10% or 30%. 30%, you know, if you're a million dollar you know, company, you want to have $300,000 in the bank, you know, the same, you know, 10%, $100,000. Now that's what you want to maintain. And, and having that in there will allow you to easily grow. So growth is, you know, n not a problem there. When you start having fewer than that, and unless you got, you know, if you're still being the bank for your clients, it's going to be really tough and you'll be in a pretty bad cash situation. So uh, I would say 10% would be the bare minimum that you want to build to for that growth. 30% would be ideal. And 30% equates to about six months worth of cash. 10% uh, equates to about two months. So it gives you, you know, gives you that, that idea for clients and for their own CPA firms. Gotcha. Okay. What challenges do you find most often with clients in e-commerce and inventory? Oh, inventory sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, just making sure that they have the software that, uh, the inventory software that actually can feed into the accounting system. That, that's a big part of it. I mean, and if, if they don't, then make sure that you're pricing accordingly, you know, make sure they're getting your highest value. Cause like I said, in, inventory is, is tough. Yeah. Uh, and you want to make sure you dial that in. So I would say definitely 
charge for what you're worth, especially if they have inventory. Uh, that's, you know, I can't, you can't, I can't overemphasize that. Um, all right. Last one. <laughs> I love this question. What would the process look like if you had a new client with more than a million dollars in million dollars in sales, but has no systems, only spreadsheets after eleven years in business? Oh yeah, that's that's pretty frequent actually. That's a, that's actually a normal <laughs> process. Uh, we have a, what we call an eight eight week onboarding phase, so we actually double our fee during the first eight weeks uh, because we're putting a lot more time and effort into them, building them around our model and bringing them to what we have. And so uh, yeah, so that that's that's. You know, we just dive in, develop the processes. And, and the funny thing about it is they could be even on QuickBooks or QBO and, and still not have it dialed in because they, they, they're screwing that up. You know, so, you know, just being on spreadsheets, that's one thing. But, man, it, it's really easy to dive in that first eight weeks and really just kind of recreate everything. And that's why, they, that's why they hired us. They hired us to make sure they have the right processes and systems in place. Very rarely do they ever get any pushback on, you know, hey, we want you to do this or that. We, we, we never make it contingent upon, we never make anything contingent on a specific software or a tool they're using because we're pretty agnostic when it comes to that. Um, but what we do want to make sure is we want to make sure it's getting them to that point where they're at. Have a, having a really hard discussion with them in that first eight weeks and saying, you know, hey, here's where we need to go with this level, you know, here's where we need to push to. And, uh, you know, we, de- we we typically don't get any pushback. But, yeah, I'd say that's a very common thing with, you know, we've had clients three, four, five million dollars that have had just that. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, because most of, most of us, you know, most of our clients, they, their passions would actually, you know, got them where they were. It's not because they're a great accountant. They, that was just kind of like, well, I, I must have priced my product enough. And that's why I'm successful. You know, that's where it comes down to a lot of times. It has nothing to do with how well they ran their accounting system or business. And so we have to step back and look and think about that, too, when we're making our decisions. You know, they, you know they're street, well, they're street smart type type clients for the most part. Uh, most of them, you know, heck, if you look back, there's probably a lot of them without even a college education that are running really strong businesses. And uh, yeah, any, any help you can have would, is, is definitely appreciated. And that's why, again, that's why they, they're bringing you on board, you know, straighten the ship up. Awesome. This has been super great. Any parting words of wisdom for CPAs who are ready to commit to advisory and niching down? Yeah, I, I would say don't do what we did. You know, price your service. <laughs> appropriately <laughs> you, you know when we first started we were giving it away because we always thought oh we kind of broke it down by the hour and all that kind of stuff it's going to take us this much time it never you never took us that yeah, it was no. always two or three times <laughs> four more. times yeah that. easily and so i would always say you know make sure that you price your your service effectively and then increase it if you think it's at thirty thousand, you know bump it up 10 percent because you're not going to be right um, especially while you're trying to figure things out. And so I would definitely say, hey, make sure that you're very competitive on your pricing and your pricing's up. You know, they'll pay, you know, don't look at what they're paying now for that service. You know, look what they're, what it's worth, you know, not, you know, that, that's the uh, the whole part of value-based billing is to make sure you you, you base it on a, on a value. You know, could they replace that bookkeeper if it's, if it's just a bookkeeper service? Can you, you know, how much does the bookkeeper cost? Well, it's $50,000. Well, I could do it for thirty. That's just on the bookkeeping side. And then maybe the CFO is like, well, well, you know, what's a CFO worth? You know, 60 to, oh, that'd be like a controller. Maybe a CFO is worth 120, 150, 180. And then I'm going to be that CFO for a quarter of that time. So you kind of break, kind of back into what that value really needs to be, you know, that plus the bookkeeper, you and, know, then you add them together. Yeah, anchor it up high. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, anchor pie. So it's really, it's, it's I mean, it's really just 
price appropriately because we about put ourselves out of business not pricing ourselves effectively. We did that for, oh, geez, probably eight years until we figured it out. So it tells you how smart I am to figure out how to price something out. (laughs) That's how you learn, right? Is the painful way. That's right, for sure. And otherwise, if you don't price appropriately and if you don't bump up your prices, you'll never break out of the spin. If you're stuck in the spin of working 60 to 80 hours a week during tax season, you'll never get out. You've got to bump your prices up. Oh yeah, that which is a great point, boy. Um, tax season, we don't we work maybe forty five hours a week during tax season. I love it. Yeah, because we work primarily with our CFO clients, right? So we're doing their stuff. We don't have we have maybe a two hundred thousand dollars of what I would say standalone tax returns, and that was from our clients from the very beginning. Uh, but we don't pick up clients to do just tax returns. It's always attached to the business. And so we've already done the work throughout the whole year. And it's just a matter of tying it up at the end of the year. So yeah, we have one tax director and one tax manager that actually works on all the clients. Um, and she doesn't work. I mean, they really truly don't work a, a ton of hours, maybe 45, maybe 50 at the very, very most at any particular time. But uh, yeah, so tax season's been great. And I haven't done a tax year in a long time. So that's kind of cool too. <laughs> that's going to be music to some people's yeah. ears. <laughs> yeah, Jody Grundon, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jody, for coming on the podcast. Holy cow, there were so many gems in there. My single favorite line was, your clients are hiring you to help them get to the next level. It's your job to help build the financial roadmap that gets them there. In my mind, the rest is just deliverables and your clients want transformation. Deliverables are just deliverables. If you want help getting your practice to the next level, transforming your business model, how many hours a week you work and how much money you make, getting from 150 clients down to 15 with 60,000 or $100,000 annual engagements, I can help you make that transformation. Put 15 minutes on my calendar. Just go to shethinksbigcoaching.com and click on the big fat red schedule time with me button. You will be surprised just how much ground we can cover in that time. So I hope you'll take me up on the offer. All right, that's it from me. I will see you next week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.